0: Let's see. Memorial Cup champion, prospect of the New York Rangers, and now a guest on the OHL podcast. How lucky are we to have Doug Keeler with us today? Mr. Keeler, it's a pleasure. Thanks for making time to do this.
1: Well, it's a pleasure for me, and uh, there's nothing better than to talk about the history. And there's a, I have a lot of ties directly even to Kitchener, although I didn't play here. But uh, yeah, the the history going back to the green shirts, and and the other teams that you know were way back when is just amazing. And then of course the teams moving from Guelph to Kitchener, and and you know right now uh, Bradford uh, getting the Hamilton team. It's just it's interesting
0: to keep track of it all. I still don't think the city of Guelph has forgiven the city of Kitchener for taking no. away their junior A team. <laughs> no, and
1: I I found some out of that out recently. But every time I I'm at the odd. I go into their um, you know, their sports hall of fame there with the store, and I look at, you know, times, dates, and I can relate to everything from the early 60s. I hate to give away my age, but uh, and the last time I was in, I got a nice picture of uh, the guy that used to sign my paychecks, email Francis. And it, it shows him uh, writing a check out to somebody from Kitchener to have the range, the New York rangers come here for training camp. So He was a pretty special guy like he would uh 150 guys at training camp he knew every player didn't matter if you're in the NHL team the American League team East Coast he knew where you're from and everything about you which which really impressed me
0: I remember those days when the ties between the Kitchener Rangers and the New York Rangers were so tight so were you able to be a part of any of those training camps
1: yeah I came well so I as a 15-year-old, I was with a team called Toronto Red Wings Butterbeeps. and we won the first ever all-Canadian midget tournament with 16 teams in Kingston, Ontario, in 1967. I don't think we got enough recognition, because to win a Canadian championship, our whole team was a minor midget team, except three players. Two of them you might have heard of. Gary Coulter went to Kansas City, originally Rangers, and Bob Kelly, of course, the hound, played for Philadelphia Flyers. Bob and I are good friends, and they were we were allowed three players from our midget team, the same with the Toronto Marlies. And we beat London and we beat St. Catharines and we beat the Marlies. And some of the players, I got the old programs here and everything that played were like Dan Maloney that was in London and in the NHL. Uh, Guys across, you know, the whole country. And it was amazing that we won that tournament with basically a a minor midget team.
0: That's incredible. And what was that team again, the Toronto...
1: Toronto Red Wings. And then Ontario Milk Producers was our sponsor. They called Butter Beeps. At that time, you'd say, what's the difference between Beep Beep and Margin? You couldn't say Butter. <laughs> At that time, in commercials, which would have been 1966, 67. So the next year, instead of me staying in Toronto and playing Midget or Junior B, I got a tryout with Niagara Falls, who had already played there the year before with Derek Sanderson. So I went down and... Uh, I wasn't supposed to play and uh, I made the team. And next thing you know, I still got my, it looks like a school ring, but I still have my Memorial cup ring. So that was pretty amazing.
0: Well, it sure as heck is because you go from the championship in (laughs) midget with Kingston or in Kingston with that Toronto team. And then you win a Memorial cup your first year in what was then still known as the OHA.
1: It was the OHA and we didn't, we didn't play overtime. So in my mind, I, I still have a couple of programs here that from the kitchen Arrangers. And so this here is guys I play with and against and good friends, Walter T. chuck Danny Sagan, Eddie Hatoum, uh, Jerry Gray and Gold Hamilton, like all these guys. And the funny thing is recently we bought a couple of cars from Crosby Motors the last, last two years. And I played against Cam and I played against Gary and I didn't have the connection and of course, there's Gord Crosby with, he was, you know, on the board of directors. And so there's quite a connection going back that I didn't even realize was there until till I moved here a couple of years ago. And uh, with this program here, if you'd like, I could read you some of the names in here.
0: Well, you already hit some of the, the names that are the stuff of legend in Kitchener with Chuck and Say Again. And then Mike Crosby, still heavily involved with Crosby Volkswagen, just doing tremendous work. But yeah, for sure. What other names pop out of there?
1: Well, this team with Kitchener had, they finished first overall. And one point behind them was the junior Canadians. And then the Marlies were third. And Hap Hams, who came from Niagara Falls, he always got Niagara Falls Flyers into the fourth position. Because four played eight. They didn't do it like they would, like, you know, like you should do it, like the NHL. So we drew Peterborough one in five games. Then we drew Montreal Juniors, and they had uh, Perot, Hull, and Tardif, uh, LaPointe, Bouchard. They had a fantastic team. And we knocked them off in six. Then we played Kitchener. And I remember uh, two of the guys that drafted me later in my career, uh, Steve Berklicich and, and uh, Louis Passador. And I told him, I said, we're going to beat Kitchener." he says, ah, you're just a 16-year-old. What do you know? I said, well, we got Phil Meir in goal, and you guys can't match our goal. So we ended up beating them in an eight-game series. And they had – you can talk to people from back then. They had the parade planned in Kitchener. That's how good a hockey team they had. So they had Dave Hainsworth in goal. They had John Barber, Billy's older brother, on defense. Now, John, to me, was a better hockey player in, in Billy, and he ended up – buried in the minors as a defenseman then you have mike Robotai, uh and you had al carver that that played here for four or five years i think abdemarco of course played for the rangers jim ferlecki played for detroit lee inglis i think he played in buffalo jack Egers, of course was a personal friend who became a firefighter and don loose dennis Perry uh danny sagan jim mccray Yarmo laytonen Henry LeVonen and Cam Crosby. And Brett Medell was the GM, and Wally Coleman was a coach. And I stepped on the ice here in November of that year, playing this team, and I looked up at the size of these guys, and I was 148 pounds. And I said, I better be pretty quick in the corners. And uh, I wasn't afraid to mix it up, but I couldn't tangle with guys 225 pounds. You know, I would, but it wouldn't come out too good. So this team was unbelievable, and I know there's been a lot of good teams from Kitchener, and I've followed them, like, right from then on to now, and I still think, in my mind, this is the best team that I've ever seen out of Kitchener because of the amount of guys. And you got to remember back then, you played till you are 20. You didn't, yeah. couldn't go to the NHL as, as an 18-year-old. So that team is still pretty special, and the fact that we were, I was on a team that beat them makes it even more special, really.
0: How did you end up, Doug, playing for the Niagara Falls Flyers? Weren't you originally drafted or at least scouted by Peterborough?
1: Well, okay, so I was too young. And of course, my brother had played for Roger Nielsen, and my dad and Roger didn't kind of see eye to eye. And that's Steve there that played with the Red Wings in Hamilton. And and this is my brother Mike from Niagara Falls, who played with Sanderson. And that's my picture as a 16-year-old. So, like I said, I was only just turned 16 and invited to camp. Now, if I had stayed in Toronto and played for the Marley Midgets, I would have belonged to the Toronto Marleys. When you don't do that in your own city, same in Ottawa, you can be drafted by anybody. So after my first year of Junior A, I was getting ready. I knew that I was going to be drafted. And we felt at the time that I should be able to stay in Niagara Falls with compensation to whoever drafts me. Well, dad went to the Marlies, and he went to Oshawa and then he went to Peterborough and the first two teams agreed to not draft me. And Roger Nielsen drafted me the third pick in the first round. So, and I was playing baseball for Roger at the time. So you can imagine the trouble that that caused. So, you know, being the third pick in all of Ontario as a 16 year old was pretty special. Um, But anyway, dad, didn't want me playing for Roger. Hap Ams, who was our GM and his son, Paul, was our coach, he was like Eddie Shore. He wouldn't park with a nickel. And Peterborough was asking for too much. They wanted Ross Webley. They wanted Donnie Tannehill. They wanted, you know, some pretty hockey players. And, and, you know, Hap just said to Roger, forget it, you know. So, anyway, Roger ended up drafting me. And then Bill Long, who had coach the Barry Flyers, Niagara Falls a year before coached me with the Ottawa 67 so he made a deal to get me to Ottawa and uh, it was probably the best thing to happen at the time Uh, playing three years with Dennis Potvin doesn't hurt Um, in my mind after Bobby Orr, he he was the best all-around defenseman I ever played with or against like yeah you know you can argue Larry Robinson's a personal friend you got Somming you got Nicholas Lidstrom, uh, coffee. There's so many good ones. And you had some great ones come out of kitchen or two that I just kind of thought Dennis was the best all around after war.
0: You're going to have yeah. a hard time getting an argument from me. I mean, you list some other greats and sure, it would be a terrific discussion sometime over a couple of pints or maybe even we yeah. would take pictures of beer, but yeah. Dennis Potvin is absolutely up there. And I remember, when I, years ago, Dennis was doing some TV in Ottawa and I would cross paths with him right. at 67's games way back. Yeah, no,
1: Dennis, uh, we were pretty tight. And like I say, you got to remember, he played parts of six years of junior A. And his brother, John, I just went down last year. Um, actually, in April, we we had a celebration of life because John passed away two years ago, March March the 15th uh, in Long Island. So I went down, there was 100 people, Brian Corey was there that had coached just after I'd left. Uh, my line mates were there, Pierre Jerry, and Murray Wilson and uh, Paul Tosh, uh, Dennis, of course, and, and we had a great, a great reunion. And I get down there periodically. And um, you know, between Peterborough and and uh, Ottawa, there's a lot of history. And I I did catch part of your show. Um, our friend Greg Peters was over the other day, and he he put one of your shows on with Peterborough. And some of the discussions were, were stuff that I remember. And my older brother went to training camp when Scotty Bowman coached. And then you mentioned all the other great coaches that were there. And, uh, it wouldn't have hurt if I played in Peer but it just, it didn't work out that way, you know.
0: Yeah, it's a a city and a franchise steeped in history, of course, with Bowman, Roger Nielsen, who you've already mentioned. Gary Green was there. Dick Todd. We could go into a bunch of players that were up there, too. But for those watching on our YouTube channel right now, not only have they seen some of those programs and faces that you showed us, but behind you framed is your Ottawa sixty-sevens sweater with the C. Yeah. I don't care what league you're in, Doug. (laughs) When they put that C on your sweater, that means something.
1: The 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 reason it meant so much was that the players voted on it. And so when I tell people a guy two years younger than me by the name of Dennis Potvin was not chosen as team captain, it made me feel good. I mean, this guy was the best player in our team. And the first year I was there, Billy Clement was our captain, number one center. And then Pete Leframbois was, was number two. And I was a third center. And, you know, we had some pretty good hockey players. And then after P, uh, Pierre and, Peter went to the NHL with Pittsburgh and uh the Rangers, then we end up with Blake Dunlop and Wayne Merrick, they were pretty good centers as well. So we we had a we had a pretty good go there. Their first year, it's funny, my my first game of junior A, I had two goals and two assists with Niagara against Ottawa 67s. And I've got all that information, multiple goals, multiple, like it's I've got so much stuff here, I really don't know what to do with it all. But it's it's good memories. And then of course. My brother was captain in Niagara Falls his last year, and we played against each other, and my parents would be pulling their hair out because you know he was a defense, and I was a centerman, and we would be banging in the corner one time he dropped his gloves, and i i wouldn't I wouldn't drop my gloves against him because he was he was as tough as they came, and
0: uh, you could ask anybody back then uh, he didn't back down
1: from anybody he, well, my
0: dad was a pro boxer, so that kind of helped was it how tough was it? To, to be traded I mean you just win a memorial cup your first yeah. year in the OHA and then off to Ottawa you go
1: well the toughest thing was school so I'd started in West Hill I grew up in East End you know Highland Creek East End Scarborough and then I'm in I get settled in Niagara Falls and I felt bad for my parents because why should they travel all over the place they got two boys playing and you're, you're amateurs and I have to tell you Monday I'd knock on the door and Pap M's and have the Fedora and the glasses and the pipe, you know, and and uh after five minutes of my knuckles would be raw, I'm coming for my paycheck. What do you want? I said, Hap, I come to get my paycheck. Well, you should be paying me to play here. Well, seven dollars is what I got for the week. And then they give my landlady twenty-five bucks to room and board me. And he thought that that I should be paying, but that was Hap. And that's how he won championships because he was very strict.
0: When you got drafted to the national hockey league the 71 draft i mean listen it wasn't that deep right just lafleur and dion going (laughs) first and second that year but you're a fifth rounder to the new york rangers that's not too shabby
1: yeah i was kind of disappointed because um bill you know bill was a pretty good coach and he had promised me that when Laframboise went and Clement, i'd be his number one center and and my last year i almost ended up getting traded to oshawa because he um he had me third-line center. He wouldn't let me kill penalties. He wouldn't let me play the power play. And he had promised me a good draft year. And I ended up with you know 20 goals and 40 assists with not a lot of ice time. And I was pretty upset about that. And it, it kind of hurt me in the draft because there was other – well, one guy that went, went ahead of me, a personal friend, a great hockey player, Peter Sullivan, that played for the Generals. And Peter ended up making his mark. He got drafted to Montreal, and I was the next pick. And there would have been five centers ahead of me – with the Canadians and there was eight or nine with the Rangers and the Rangers had just made a trade to get Bobby Russo and a few other guys. Pete Stemkowski came at the time. You had Kachuk, you had John Rattel. Uh, They picked up Gene Carr from St. Louis. And it was just, you know, for me to be the 10th or 11th rank, there's no way I could crack that lineup. And so Peter ended up going to Montreal and I went the next pick to the Rangers and uh, it was a little disappointing that way. Although, you know, I, I did pretty good considering I didn't get the ice time that I should have as, as my last year, really.
0: That's the only, you know. You mentioned Montreal, Doug, and that just makes me think to back to the Memorial cup that you played in with Niagara falls, some of the games there. So you're playing in your arena in Niagara falls and some of the other games at the Montreal forum, that must've been a thrill.
1: Well, the forum was the best drink and the best ice. It was 200 Ten feet long, and the gardens was one ninety-five, so he had that extra room around the net. But um, the forum was was great, and uh, and the you know before that, uh, playing against uh, Verdun Maple Leafs, and Moose Dupont was on that team that played for Philadelphia. He ended up with the Rangers, and he played in Omaha. So a lot of guys that went to Omaha the year I was drafted by the Rangers, um, had played. Most of them came from the junior A uh OHA and that league w- was was like an all-star junior league it was amazing the central league and then the American League I ended up in Providence was pretty much you know more older guys guys that had come down like Kent Douglas that was working the year with the league. he came down uh and and Johnny Bauer had just gone up from the American League before that and so it, both leagues were really good but playing you know Pierre Jerry ended up in Omaha um Jack Eagers was in Omaha I think DeMarco might have been there uh, there was a lot of guys that went through here from Kitchener that that originally and I think Walt Taychuk played there a few games uh, but anyway it was it was amazing when I went to Omaha it was really good hockey
0: the old central league international league american league yeah when when did you know or when did you decide to hang them up
1: well just the injuries took their toll and uh you know when i had i was a little upset because i i was on the first line of my first game in the american league and of course who's coaching the guy that i knew fairly well don cherry his first game coaching with rochester I'm on the ice. I had two goals and two assists that first game. I, I guess I was a one-game wonder. And he sent Ron Fogel, that used to play here. And London, sent him over the boards to fight me so I wouldn't get the hat trick. And, of course, I got in a fight that game, too. So I um, played that game. I played a game in Cincinnati. And then we're in Cleveland. And a guy that played here that I played against, I think he was American-born, Chris Lorenz. That, that played in the minor leagues. And he was with the Kitchener Rangers. Well, he was with Cleveland Barons and I was with, with uh, Providence Reds. And in the third period, I come out, my right winger, Jerry Butler, that played in the NHL, he was with Hamilton Red Wings. I give him a beautiful pass and I'm admiring it. And Chris hit me late. And I end up with the Charley was out for a month. And that night in the hotel room, uh, my coach, Larry Papine that had played for the New York, I just said, I really hate to give you the news, but he said, it's too bad you got hurt. He said, you were to go up to New York to play against Detroit tomorrow night. And of course, my whole childhood, Gordy Howe was my favorite player and I'd met him as a 12 year old. I wanted to play for the Red Wings. And so that was the last, the closest I got to going up with the Rangers. And uh, cause I played two exhibition games with them here in, in Kitchener in London. And I, it took me a month to get back with a severe Charlie horse. And then they put me on the third, fourth line. Then they loaned me to Fort Worth Wings, which was Detroit's firm team. And I ended up with a really good playoff against Omaha. And and my points that year, I, I'd become more of a penalty killer and a playoff or a penalty killer faceoff specialist. And I thought my game had improved defensively. And um, so I, I'd already, that was my second year, and I expected – you know, to get a little more money. And when I came to training camp, the third year unsigned was a mistake because Rangers just kind of, they would they just let me go. They got Rick Middleton that year, some other guys. I kind of cut my own throat by not signing the contract, but I thought, and I was one of the only guys who didn't have an agent. And I put out the points and everything. I said, you know, I think I should get a little more. And no, that's, that's all you're getting and sign it or not. And so that was a mistake on my part, I think.
0: When you were that close, the injury away from getting called up to play yeah. that game against the Wings, is that – I mean, how do you look back on that today, Doug?
1: Well, I think about all the time when I'm having discussions. But I think the thing that that's makes it easier for me is there was guys way better than me that didn't make the NHL, and there was guys that weren't as good as me that did make it. So you kind of have to – you know, things kind of even out. And you have to be in the right place at the right time. Things just have to go like as a young kid, when I was growing up, I was like a Gretzky when anybody in Toronto, I, I had a guy tell me this years later that he said, you know, he said when you were 12, that you were ranked in the top six in Canada. I said, no, I didn't know that. He said, did you know that when you were playing in the, the Toronto hockey league, that everybody knew you like, who Keeler was. And I said, no, I didn't really know that. So people tell you things later on, you know, and, uh, so yeah, it it bothers me at times, but it's just the way it was. And then I, I ended up eventually after that, uh, Kalamazoo in the uh, international league with Bob Lemieux that had coached me in Fort Worth, and uh, season ending injuries there. You know, separated shoulder, broken foot. Uh, I was in Binghamton in the North North American League, which was the old East Coast League. Same thing, broken you know broken bones here and there. Um, and I wanted to still play. So I ended up coming home and playing senior hockey for a while with a lot of guys had gone through the same thing. And uh, so eventually I got on the Scarborough fire department later Toronto and uh, had a 32 and a half year career doing that. So that wasn't bad. Uh, But yeah, like you say, you know, if I could have got up that one game with Rangers, I might've stayed because one of my line mates the next year was rookie of the year, Steve Vickers with the New York Rangers. And Steve had played, of course, with Rattel and Joe Bear and those guys. And uh, just a great guy. We're still in touch. And and he had played for the Marlies. And, you know, see guys like him and Larry Robinson that was a friend of mine. And it, it kind of hurt at times but because I was supposed to be the one of the four boys that, that played in the NHL. And I felt bad for my parents more than myself, really. But I just thought, if I'm not going to get back to the show, why am I wasting my time? And uh, I, I could have probably coached and and played and coached and stayed the problem was if you didn't belong to an nhl team it was hard to find somewhere that you could stay and like hershey bears used to keep guys for 15 years like like mike necklack and uh, if i could have stayed 15 20 years in one place i would have stayed but moving eight times in three years became a little bit draining
0: was there any other choice for you but to play hockey when you talk about you know your parents and your brothers playing? I mean this must have been in the Keeler family blood? well,
1: my dad built an outdoor rink, and I mean you know we started playing six seven years old and and that was before like now, where you can't you know I was out in the rink behind the fire hall the last two days, and now of course, it's if it was only open three days, and that's how we learned how to play playing shinny and and we just, you know, my mom and dad put so much time and money, which they didn't have, into us kids. And uh, my youngest brother ended up, he was with the Marlies for a while. And then he he was uh, captain of NCAA uh, St. Louis Billikens. And, of course, Steve and 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 Mike and I, you know, playing junior A. But Bob actually played in the line with Mark and Marty Howe with the Marlies for a couple of games, which is kind of interesting. So he was a good hockey player. But, um, no, when when I was in school, the teachers would say, well, you know, what do you want to be? I said, I'm going to be a hockey player. Well, what else do you want to be? I said, I don't want to be anything else. So I kind of frustrated them. Well, when, when I started playing junior and then my last year, they did an interview and I said, you know, I wouldn't mind being a phys ed teacher if hockey doesn't work out. So I started to get a little bit, you know, more mature and, and, and have backups. And, um, the fire department was good, except I've had a few health issues, um, which, which are under control. And, uh, but you know, the hockey was what I wanted to do and it was disappointing. Like, you know, the game doesn't stop when you quit playing and it's really hard, you know, to, to, to get at first to get over it. But once you're around people that went through the same thing, uh, I have a good friend that you might know the name. Uh, he played for the, for the uh, Los Angeles Kings in 67, but he was the captain of the 62 Memorial cup, Hamilton, Red wings, Howie Menard. And Howie was a great hockey player. And we're in touch all the time. And uh, we had a group in Pickering before I moved here of NHL, AHL, old-timers. And my right winger was a famous hockey player with the Leafs, the Blackhawks, and the Rangers. And he was 86 years old playing on my right wing. And and he, he still would be playing, but they tore the rink down. And, and we didn't have the ice. Peter Connacher. And I'm in touch with Peter once or twice a month and just a gentleman. And we had other guys like uh, uh, Brent Grieve that, uh, and his brother that, that played with the Oshawa Generals when they won the Memorial Cup, I think in 84.
0: I think that's when Oshawa, went, when when Lindros was there, I think. It was a little bit later than 84, but I know the team, and okay. I know the name very well. Yeah,
1: because yeah, he, he played, and I remember the defenseman now that scored from the blue line in overtime, against it was at it was at cops coliseum the one that we're talking about too but that, that was the anyway, 90
0: championship yeah
1: so after that um i got you know playing this pickup hockey and and really enjoyed we had some really good skates and the guys are bringing their kids out that were 16 19 and it's like the level was picking up you know and uh i ended up coaching uh as an assistant with the whippy dunlops in 2004 or 5 when the nhl had the lockout and our head coach bill purcell had coached the American League, Kalamazoo, uh, he coached York University, U of T, and won championships. And I learned more off him in a year of coaching than you could learn in ten years off anybody. And he was just—he's just, he's just a, a great coach and, and a mentor. And then after that, uh, two years later, I coached the midget team, which turned out disastrous with uh, John Crawford. You know Mark Crawford that coached? Sure. It, his cousin. I know Mark as well. And John, and I coached the midget team out of Whitby and uh, the parents came in and, and didn't like the fact that you know the way we ran things and we were the only I think coaches in Ontario that didn't have kids on the team and these these this team had been together since they were like peewees and they didn't like the fact that we ran a tight ship and so they got rid of us but that was my last coaching experience but uh so I'm back just playing pickup on as a pool player with the uh, KW old-timers now so it's, it's okay. It's tough. It's really tough when, you know, I, well, I hadn't played in four years because of the pandemic, but uh, I'm not ready to hang it up yet. I still got my equipment and skates and I still enjoy it. So I'll be stubborn until maybe a couple more years anyway.
0: You know, I'm just thinking about the coaching style that, you know, not all parents loved. I'm thinking about Don Cherry, sending the guy out, you know, sending Fogel out there to make sure you don't get a hat trick oh in the game against his team. When you think back on the way the game was played when you wow. were in it, late '60s through the mid '70s, <laughs> compared to today, I mean, what do you think back on? It was why was the wild wild west out there?
1: Well, it's funny you should mention that because I personally believe the only reason I made Niagara Falls, they were ready to send me home. I got in a fight in the parking lot with a guy that was two years older and about you know eight inches taller than me and um the guy sucker punched me and put the boots to me and and i got up and he came and i cut him for 20 stitches over his eye with the left hook and they broke the fight up and the next day we're we're at training camp and this guy's got sunglasses on he was a big guy he was from windsor and uh, my brother came in and he got wind of this he was furious and he got wind and he came in and he said to the guy i'm talking to you and the guy finally he said next time you want to fight somebody, he says, pick on somebody that's, that's bigger than you. Cause he said, you can't beat my brother, but I could fight off, of, you know, off the skates on the skates. I didn't have good balance, but my dad had taught us to street fight cause he was a boxer. And uh, so my first game after that, I just got all the wounds healed up from that scrap in the parking lot and we're playing in Oshawa and Dunk Wilson was a goalie and Rick Lee was our captain. And they started to fight. Well, we emptied the, benches and we had 15 players and they had 20. So we had a brawl in, in, in Oshawa and who do I end up paired off with the guy, my size two years older, but he played for the Boston Bruins and he was from Kingston named Freddie O'Donnell. And this guy could throw him. And I remember throwing the first six punches and receiving the next 26. But, you know, I, I, I didn't need stitches. I had a black eye and a few cuts and, and, and I think it was the next year, uh, I got into a scrap with all people, um, Rick McLeish, that played in Philly. And and him and his brother, Dale, that I'm still in touch with, I had played with Dale in, in senior hockey. And Rick and I got into it. Once again, I threw the first six punches, and he threw the next 36. And I'm like, of all people to end up fighting with. And uh, and then, of course, another guy, you might remember the name. We had played together as kids, as 13-, 14-year-olds. Then he went to junior B as a 14-year-old. And then he played for the Marlies and I fought him my last year with Ottawa because he was a stickman. And then him and I got drafted by Omaha or sent to Omaha with the Rangers, Steve Durbano. Oh yeah. And 405 minutes in penalties. And I was a penalty killer and I just used to take Steve out for dinner in Omaha and say, you know, but what had happened, he'd speared one of our players, Brian McSheffrey, And the coach came in the room and said, Anybody, or it wasn't a coach, it was Howard Darwin. Now, Howard owned Ottawa and he owned London. And Howard said, anybody takes out Durbano, he's got a bad shoulder. He says, I'm going to give you 500 bucks. Well, I'd sat on the bench the first 10 minutes of the game, and I was furious that Bill had, we'd have penalties not. So I got on the ice the first shift, and the pucks was going towards Durbano, and it was at the blue line. And I left my feet uh, off the ice about three feet and landed on Steve's shoulder, bad shoulder, and knocked him down to the ice and he went off this was the first period and if he hadn't come back I would have won 500 bucks he came back with five minutes to play so then the last game in the playoffs we lost the Marlies and Steve and I had a fight and then we played Noma and he wanted to know why I took out his shoulder I said well they're going to pay me fight." He said why didn't you tell me I wouldn't have come back on the ice <laughs> but that was uh that was uh quite the thing back then you know the first year i played we didn't wear helmets of course. and and goalies the first year i played in the central pro league they did not wear masks like i'm like are you kidding me like but the goalies back then used to fight a lot too you know which <laughs> but like i say when there was something going on we emptied the benches so many times and it was tough as a 16 year old as i got older it was a little bit easier but uh When the OHA came out and they were the OHL and they said, you know, when players are fighting, the players got to go to the vet. that's the best thing they could have done, really. And I don't think you'll ever see fighting out of the game, but um, I don't like the stage fights. I think that's kind of you know, that's taken away from skilled players that should be playing instead of some of these guys, you know. But the game the kids are bigger, stronger, faster and I'm not so sure that the skill's any better. Like, when I looked at Marcel Dion, Gilbert Perrault, the guys I played with and against, Pop Van, these guys, I mean, if they had today's equipment, Ivan Cronoye, uh, he probably could skate as fast as McDavid if he had the right equipment. And, you know, back those days, guys like Johnny Bauer and Lauren Worsley and some of these guys, they would smoke and have a beer in between periods. And, you know, and and the, the training back then, I mean, you know, if you got hurt, you were on your own because it wasn't the same as today and And these kids today, I give them credit for the conditioning and the commitment, but if I watch a game now, they get to the red line, they dump the puck in. We used to work so hard, you come and get it off us. We're not giving it to you. So two forwards would work on the on the one defenseman and chip it off the boards, and that's how we used you know we used to stick closer together. The way that they do power plays today, I wish I was still playing and killing penalties because I could make a fortune. These guys wouldn't be wandering out the way they do in passing the puck back. I'd have breakaways. I used to get breakaways as it was when I played pro, but I don't get that part of the game. I don't maybe you could could elaborate on it a bit. You watch it all the time, and I
0: don't what you think of it. In terms of the penalty kill not being as aggressive.
1: No, I'm I'm talking, yeah, that, but also about the power play, this dumping the puck back. Like
0: Oh yeah, the little listen, that is probably the last 10 years or so. And I've always wondered, too, but the idea is for that guy who gets the drop pass to attack with speed.
1: Oh, absolutely. Like Braden Point. Like I'm a Tampa fan and Braden Point just like blows the doors off these guys. But the other thing you and I could make a million bucks if I could convince somebody to let you and I go on the ice and teach these guys how to take a penalty shot. Because I don't care what the statistics say. And I watch a lot of hockey. But when a guy goes down the boards and comes in on a 45-degree angle and they're talking about getting the goalie move, you've now taken away 75% of your target. We used to go down the middle of the ice. My, I'm a right-hand shot. My left side of my body would be lined up with the left post. My stick would be in the middle. I could go stick low, glove low, high, high. I could DQ the right six options. And how, how they can do this at the NHL and junior level Boggles my mind because I think I could prove a point if somebody would ever hire me to teach these guys how to take a penalty shot. And I don't care about you know the analytics or 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 what happens. I watch games where they go through nine and ten shooters. These guys come in, they're so distracted and tired by the time they get to the net. They, I've seen well Tavares, the puck went over a stick. It happened to Kucherov. I mean, these are great hockey players, and I'm thinking, why haven't they not? Done it the way it should be done. I I, I don't get that. It, it doesn't make sense to me.
0: You know, one of the things, one of the big parts of that, I think, and you already mentioned earlier how goalies weren't even wearing masks your first year in yeah. pro, right? The the equipment on these goaltenders today, Doug. Yeah. You could go low stick, yeah. low blocker, top, whatever, but you could see so little of the net behind yeah. these monsters these days.
1: Oh, you're right, and a lot of them to score with through the five hole they have to, to get and I and I get that I get that aspect if you're going to do that though don't, don't come in so deep to the face officer I've seen the last couple of games and I like I said I watch all the Tampa games goalies are coming out and poke check and that's what I would do but it's it's like and the other thing too is explain to me and I don't care if it's Vasileski who used to be the greatest goalie in the world why are these guys on their knees when a flap shot's coming from the blue line and it goes under the crossbar when we played, if you shot it six inches off the ice, guys would crucify it. The forwards would go out and fight our own defensemen. We didn't want to stand in front of the net with pucks going under our ears. And and I just don't get it. They go down before they shoot. Now, last night, I, I watched a former Kitchener Ranger, who I really like. Jack, I score a goal of Montreal. And this kid, like, I mean, you talk about tough. And you look at his upbringing and what he did in Kitchener. And I, I believe he came from Hamilton, didn't he, originally? That's right. You got it. Yeah. And his brother that was playing there. And and I've heard a lot about this guy. And then I watched him. And, and boy, he can take care of himself. But he had a great game last night. He could have had five points. He played so well. But he took a slap shot that was 102 miles an hour. And the goalie went down his knees from Buffalo. And it was up under the like, And if the guy stands up, it hits him, right? So there are things that, you know, I'm not going to convince people. But there are things that I think could really... It could be changed because the goalies have to go down when a guy's sweeping around the net and whatnot, but, and how they allow guys to stand in the crease. You know, you remember the Brett Hall deal with the toe and the crease against Buffalo and Dallas won that. That's not fair. And in an our day, if a, a guy was in a crease with a toe and the puck went in the net and you didn't interfere with the goalie, they, you know, they wouldn't count it, which I don't agree with. I think what they could have done was said, if you're in the crease and you're interfering with the goalie they never had to make the crease bigger or change that rule but but back then once again we only have one referee now you got two referees how do they miss so much I I just don't like I you know in our day the goalie would they break your ankles if you stood there like they do you know it's just so different that way I mean like you say the equipment and then the players
0: all in front you can't even see the net Oh, the, the goalies are basically pussycats nowadays. We don't get a good old goalie fight much these days. <laughs> no, and, and a goalie fight. Well, how about
1: the one with? I played it the other day on YouTube with, this uh, I think, it was Felix Potvin and Ron Hextall. Oh yeah, oh, oh yeah. Felix, he was pretty good. I think Hextall was surprised. It's okay that the game's speeding up and, and, you know, it's it's changed a lot, but but there just seems to be, the one thing that's different is the guys carry their sticks, so they're just out of control. Sometimes they're too fast, unless you're talented the players, they're out of control. And, and this hitting be, from behind, I, I don't get it because the kids that are playing from types right up to peewees, they got a stop sign on their sweater when you get a guy gets rammed into the boards and and he's vulnerable and you get these announcers saying, Oh, well, you know, he turned the wrong way. That's crap. The guy should be responsible. That's going in to check the guy. And, you know, of course, Don Cherry was part of that. You got to finish your checks. Well, a defenseman in his own end, isn't going to score. You're not at the other end and to run a guy through the boards when he's vulnerable. I, I, I just, you know, in our day, there, there seemed to be more respect. I know there was more fighting, but there was more respect that way that, uh, the injuries were different, you know, but I don't know. Today's game, I, it's just run and gun, and, and I feel bad for the defensemen because they get crucified, you know. I mean, this guy Wilson from Washington,
0: and he's not a bad hockey player, but he's a nut. <laughs> I watched him come up through this league with the Plymouth Whalers. Oh, did you? Okay. Yes, sir. Yes, Boy, well, he's sir. a good hockey player. That he is. That he is. But, yes, you're right. He plays on that edge and, and oftentimes over that edge, too.
1: Yeah And when, you know when you talk about the two, uh, they call them Kachuks not Taychuk, by like Walter Taychuk, you look at those two and every time they do something dirty, everybody says, well, they're playing on the edge. And you know what I say to that? I say it might have apply to some players, but these two guys, you're either dirty or you're not dirty. and these two guys are not playing on the edge. they're just outright dirty. And, and I, you know and, and I look at them and they're good great hockey players, but I see them hitting guys from behind and just doing stupid stuff. And in our day, they'd have to fight every game because people wouldn't put up with them. And these announcers are saying, well, well." the same thing with with the Morgan Riley deal. And I talked to my brother that was, real, you know, he's as tough as they came. And he says, who cares if a guy slapped the puck into the net? He says, Morgan Riley got five-game suspension and he tried to appeal it. So is he going to go to Bettman and say, you know what, um, the guy hurt my feelings and I kind of lost it? Now, he was a first-time offender, but, you know, when you think back to the Dale Hunter thing, with with uh when he took the guy out uh Terrible. tergeron yeah with the empty net and he got 30 games so as as much as you know riley's a first-time offender and i like him as a hockey player i just thought well he, he took the stick to the guy's neck and and the other question is what would he have done to the guy or any of them if the guy had speared the goalie or done something that deserved a retaliation like to me I get the mindset that, you you know, it looked like he was showing them up. But personally, I look at it differently than, you know, and I know you're a Leaf fan, but it doesn't have anything to do with with the Leafs. It has to do with what's right and what's wrong. And if you watch NFL football, these guys taunt each other and show people up every play. I'd be fighting every, every play in, in football if I played football. Because, you know, there's some things – and and Riley's just lucky it wasn't a playoff game because you know I felt bad for the kid he you know and he certainly didn't mean to do what he did but he did it and and to listen to Nick Chibli say well you know I would have sucker punched the guy and and Reeves is like the guy would still be like come on go after a guy if you now I could see going in like you know maybe body checking the guy or 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 even rub, rubbing your face or gloving his face you wouldn't have got suspended like in our day probably that might have happened. But but there wouldn't have been a fight over something like that. It wow. would have been it would have been a face wash or a bump and said, "Keep your head up, buddy. We'll see you next game."
0: That's what that, would happened in our day. That's the thing. You you played in an era where you took a number and you meant it.
1: Oh well, if you're mad at the time, you got a fight. But with five seconds to go in the game, it was just a brain cramp that the poor kid had, and and of course now, which is even worse for him. I hope they don't lose tonight when they play Vegas because they're going to blame Riley for coming back. which is <laughs> ridiculous. And I still think the kid might make a better forward, but if he's a number one defenseman for the least, that's where they got to shore up. If they want to compete in the playoffs, you know, you know yourself, you watch them play. And, you know, to me, they just, they just don't match up defensively, although they're on a, a roll right now, you know, and uh, I, I think if they got themselves, you know, like, I mean, Hedman's been with, Tampa and he's on you know he's at the end of his career but the Leafs need a stud like that and they need two or three others they need four solid defensemen and and nothing wrong with Riley but if he's your number one that explains their problems on defense right
0: yeah I I don't disagree with that at all you know you've you've mentioned a lot of names Doug of guys you played with or Mm -hmm. against coming through this game and that that you're still in touch with to this day it's it's a pretty tight-knit community this game of hockey isn't it
1: well, it is because I, you know, I make these stick rocks. I don't know if, if Greg had told you about it. He did. And I just shipped one off a month ago to Georgia for, for an Islanders fan who's getting, the daughter's getting married. And the lady from Omaha that I used to, where I used to get my hair cut. And I, actually she named her younger son after me when I played in Omaha. And she's the one that asked me to do it. So it was 78 bucks to ship it down there. And I made, I said, I don't want any money for the stick rock. I'll you know, do it as a favor and uh so that was one that 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 i did and i'm in touch and these people were thrilled to get it and i'm still in touch like on facebook with with guys that played with my brothers that i didn't even play with that i played against maybe and my older brother mike and i we we go to uh st Catharines every year and i'm friends with marcel dion of course and they do a, a golf tournament it's 30 years now and we've been guests for over 25 years and we go down there in august and play in Niagara Falls, and, uh, we have 80, 90 guys and and it's just great to, and these are guys that, well, two of them played on our midget championship team and I played with and against these guys in the minors and, and it's a very tightly knit group and, and I enjoy doing that. But uh, I've got some great stories for you about my brother Mike though as a, as a hockey player. He, some pretty funny, the, the one in particular when he was playing in the American League and uh, there was a family um, that played for the St. Louis Blues and one of the one of the boys that got sent down to the, uh, to the American league team. And, and, uh, this guy was annoying. He'd fight a lot and he, he was a dirty player. I can't remember his name now, but the owner from the team, my brother played for came in and said, I'll give anybody a f- $500 a game and a bottle of Jack Daniels that you take this guy out. The name was Gasoff, played for St. Louis blues. And you can check out that on, on, I guess on hockey so the player said, well, Keeler will do it. And my brother, Mike, he was like Orland Kurtenbach. He was, he wasn't a clutch and grab. He was like a, Dan Maloney wouldn't even fight him. That's how tough he was. <laughs> so anyway, Mike agreed to do it. Well, the first game, the guy comes down the nice. Mike goes in the corner and brushes up against him, drops his gloves and pounds the crap out of this poor guy. So they played 12 games that year. And Mike was only making four or 500 a year. And so he, he ended up fighting this guy 12 times and the poor guy, like so. The next year, Mike gets traded from Buffalo to, to LA Kings, and he ends up in Springfield. Then he ends up out in Portland, the Western. Well, this other guy got traded from St. Louis to somebody else. He ends up in the same league playing against my brother again. So they play the game. Mike doesn't go near the guy. So after the game, he he comes up and shakes my brother's hand and says, Mike Keeler, how are you doing? He says, Have a beer. He says, I gotta ask you something. He said, last year, he said, every time we played games, and I didn't do nothing to you. He said, you beat the shit out of me 12 times. He said, what gives? And Mike says, well, you know, the guy, the owner said he didn't like you. And he promised me 500 bucks and a bottle of Jack Daniels. He says, for Christ's sake, if you told me, I'd give you 600 to leave me alone. (laughs) And that's a true story. So that was Mike, like Mike, Mike had, I never saw him lose too many fights, He and he, he wasn't, he was a Tim Horton style player, blocked shots, you know, and, and it's funny, because his first fight at junior A, I remember it like it was yesterday, and he gave the guy a pretty, like the other guy threw a couple punches, but he gave it to this guy pretty good, and uh, I kind of laughed, because when I met his daughter here in Kitchener, and she told him about the Keelers, he said, oh, those guys, it was Cam Crosby, and Cam had just been built up as a weightlifter with uh track and field shot put javelin all this and coming out of Toronto and I was playing against Gary at the time in in, in Toronto and uh might give it to him pretty good as a 16 year old and, and Gary was a couple years older so he could hold his own so I laughed when when I saw Kate and and God bless his soul because apparently uh, Gary just passed away or cam just passed away in December and I wasn't aware of that till recently but uh yeah she told him about the killer boys and he says oh those guys you, you know, yeah.
0: The, the irony, and it's probably not a good one for the league, but the Sudbury Wolves are being investigated right now by the OHL for allegedly putting a bounty on a player for the Barry Colts. And hearing you tell these stories about the bounties that were out yeah. there, it's nothing new in the game, is it?
1: No, it, and and you know, Brad Park, he he got fired with as a Detroit coach for doing that. sending the guy out like he he admitted to it, which was a mistake. But you know, I, I think that my dad had the, had the right attitude and um, dad used to say like he raced stock cars as well and him and my uncle actually raced against Richard Petty back in the day in the 50s at, at um, uh, where where the Argos played at the exhibition and anyway dad would say if a guy spits in your face kicks your feet out butt ends you spears you he said boy you have to drop your gloves he's I don't want to see you in a stick fight he says you have to defend yourself and your teammates and we drew the line tripping you know but in the rule book, which I don't get, for 100 years, intent to injure is intent to injure. It's a five-minute, it's a 10, it's an automatic game. And this is why when people talk about not just Riley, but the guy in Detroit that got six games and another player, that when you intend to, intent to injure a guy, and even if you swing your stick and you miss him, you need to pay the piper. And I think that that the league has made these special rules like for head hitting and all this kind of stuff if they had just used the rules that were in place before they wouldn't have had to, but I think, you know, they're taking, they're taking the game out of the referee's hands and, you know, making it easier for everybody, I guess.
0: You mentioned those uh coat racks you make with hockey sticks. Where can we find them? I've seen some pictures of them. They look great. Where can I point people to look at them, find them?
1: Um Well, I've got, I am actually um hockey dot gmail.com is, is my uh you know thing and and I am on Facebook and that but well I've got I should like show you a couple that I got here and this is uh the first one that I made I don't know if you can hang on just a second this stuff out of the way. This is one of the first ones that I made.
0: it's <laughs> great. The puck to, to walk, keep the sticks apart, yeah.
1: Niagara Falls and Omaha Knights. And then, of course, I got my New York Ranger hat signed by some NHL guys, you know. And and uh, But I, I do this as a hobby. And Marcel Dion got me doing that about 20 years ago. And I did uh, Bobby Hall's 82 when he went into the Hall of Fame. I did racks for Marcel that he sold out of the store in Niagara Falls. Of course, the pandemic shut that down for a while. So I think he deals out of the warehouse now. And I started doing it for Marcel. And I've just been doing it as a hobby. Like, I don't make a lot of money at it because it takes me a couple hours to make them and I've shipped some to the States, which, which I can't make any money doing that. I made one for John Cooper, the coach of uh, Tampa. I made one for Andrew Chuck. Um, I've made one for um, Pierre LaRouche that played in Pittsburgh. Uh, I did one for Steve Vickers. And when I do them for the NHM Marcel, I do all the teams that they played for, Um, but it's just a hobby, but I enjoy it, you know? And of course I told Greg, I said, I'll make sure if, if, if I make one, for you that it wouldn't have Montreal Canadians on it.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That's right, Doug. Don't even mention that team around me. Although I still appreciate Arbor Jacki for sure.
1: Oh yeah. And you know, like back in the day when uh, I, that's my 67th puck from the day and it's got on here. uh, December 23rd, 69, the Russians versus Ottawa. And I played in, in that exhibition game as an 18 year old and scored a goal, which was, that was the Red Army team that played Team Canada, except for a couple of players. And for me to get a goal in that game, Dan Maloney played with us. He got a goal. And I'm standing at the blue line. This is just before Christmas. And I got Marcel Dion on my right, and I got Daryl Sittler on my left. And I was with the 67s. And we played the Red Army team. And I and at that time, we played a couple exhibition games against NHL teams. That Red Army team was as solid as a rock and I never seen a better condition hockey team in my life. And I knew in 72, they were going to have problems. I didn't think they'd be that severe, but I knew they were in for a battle because they beat us eight to three and um, they played 13 games and they won 12. And the only team that beat them was the junior Canadians because they're the only ones that could skate with them. And this red army team was something else to to see. And for me to play against them, I mean, I threw a body check. I got a guy with his head down, and he went up and over my back, and I thought his skates were going to touch the clock because I used to like to throw the odd body check, you know, when I didn't have the puck. And they had a picture in Ottawa. I wish I could have got it. It was in the rink for years, and I couldn't find it. This guy went up and down, and I crawled off the ice. Like, it took the wind out of me. This guy was 225, 5'11". And uh, at that time, their two best players were Sturshanov and Fearsov, and they were like Bobby Hall and Gordy Howe. But they had Yakishev, they had Mihailov, they had Ragulin on defense. And Vassil, or, um, Tretjak wasn't playing then. It was Kandovalenko. And um, so I got the goal. Murray Wilson, I used to have a play where he was my left winger, and I shot the puck at the goalie's pads, and Murray would knock the rebound in. We would score three goals a year like that during the OHA season. And I shot it, and the goalie stuck a skate out and went through his legs, and I thought we were down 2 nothing, and made it 2-1, to and uh, – it was probably one of the biggest thrills I ever had, like playing hockey. And and uh, like I say, then they lost the junior Canadians nine to two. And that was like, they were tired out. And But but that Red Army team was something else. Like it, uh, it was like, uh, I you know, I couldn't believe it.
0: Where'd you play those games? In Ottawa? In Ottawa,
1: yeah. We yeah. played that. They played in London. They played in Ottawa. They played, they couldn't play at the gardens because of Harold, Harold Ballard. <laughs> so, <laughs> so uh, yeah one day you and I can sit down and, and talk about the lease and the Marlies over the years. I, I could tell you a lot of stories about them over the years. Um, but I I have even got uh, something here that would make you laugh. Uh, a good friend of mine, Bobby, one kind of thing was last name he was the head scout for Boston for 30 years. And and he got me these scouting reports from the St. Louis blues when I was in Ottawa, that, that was a scouting report in Maple Leaf gardens. And it was about me and about uh, Murray Wilson, and it was about uh, John Potman, uh, Doug Eacombe, Gord Davis, and actually Mike Murphy that played in HL, Freddie Barrett. And down here, the scouts are at the rink. Now, this was from, you remember Jimmy DeVolano of Detroit?
0: Absolutely.
1: So He was made this report, and down the bottom, the other scouts, Scotty Bowman, Steve Berklicich that, that scouted me, Alex Davidson, and on this one, Les Moore, Greg Curry, Steve Berklicich, Bob Davidson, and Jim Gregory. And and Gregory actually signed up for me. And that was 19, I guess it was uh, 1969 and 1968. So it says here, Ottawa's Doug Keeler played well, but is a little small, but still has two years, so let's hope he grows. And uh, the other one here says uh, something about – Marley's Doug Acomb got four goals, and then they down the he said for Ottawa, John Potvin, Murray Wilson, and Doug Keeler came to play. It says Pierre, Jerry was lackluster. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, could you imagine them doing a scouting report like that in this day? And they did have a book or the computer, right? Absolutely. So it, it's kind of a nice keepsake to have this stuff, though. You know, it really
0: is, <laughs> and we're gonna have to do. Uh, a second episode, Doug, just on the Leafs and the Marlies.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> you might not like some of the stuff I say, but, you know, I just tell the truth. And, uh, uh, like I said, I got a lot of friends that play with Lisa And, and when, when we played against Tulsa, that was their their uh, farm team. And of course, the one game I, I couldn't play center because Steve Vickers are broke his jaw. So they put me at right wing with Bill Hogebaum and Normie Graton that played with Buffalo and Montreal. And who do I face off against the starting face? Brian Spencer. And I never played. And I hear all these stories. So wouldn't you know it from the face off, the puck squirts to the boards. Well, I go over to get it and I can hear this moaning, groaning and panting like this guy's going to kill me. And I step back two feet. He took the door right off its hinges. (laughs) True story. I mean, and I'm like, are you for real? So I wasn't going to fight him. (laughs) Him and and Durbano fought, but Wise choice, Doug.
0: Wise choice.